0: LaunchDarkly enables development and operations teams to deploy code at any time, even if a feature isn't ready to be released to users. Wrapping code with feature flags gives you the safety to test new features and infrastructure in your production environments without impacting the wrong end users. Learn more at LaunchDarkly.com. Good day, folks. This is Shane Hasty for the InfoQ Engineering Culture Podcast. I'm at Agile Christchurch in lovely Christchurch, New Zealand, and I'm sitting down with Evan Laybourne. Evan is the CEO and founder of the Business Agility Institute and, coincidentally, my co-author on the Hash No Projects book. Evan, great to see you again. It's been a while. How are you doing?
1: It's been really good, and as always, enjoy talking with you, and I'm looking forward to where the next 30
0: minutes goes. Obviously, you and I know each other pretty well, having pair written large quantities of text, which hopefully many of our listeners have downloaded and read. But the Business Agility Institute, maybe let's just start with a why. Why is business agility such a buzzword today?
1: I think what many companies are starting to find is diminishing returns in their capital A Agile transformation. So many of your listeners will be familiar with the transformations that Agile and Scrum and Kanban and these systems and practices and processes that have been around now for 20 years. And I don't think it would be wrong to say that Agile has become a victim of its own success. So. I don't think there's a company out there that isn't doing Agile or at least has tried Agile. Even if they decide it's not for them, it's no longer the underdog. Agile is no longer that thing that the strange hippie developers do, but it's something that the banking developers do. It's something that everyone does. Because it's become successful, because everyone is doing it, it means that there is a very large discrepancy in quality. Some are doing it well, some are not. It also means that there's a lot of companies who have now been doing it for quite a while and they're no longer getting the benefits that once they did. So business agility has emerged, and to be fair, this isn't a new thing. Many of these concepts can date back to the 1940s. But business agility has emerged as a way of taking the principles, not necessarily the practices, though in some cases, yes, but the principles of agility, not capital A Agile, but being customer-centric, employee engagement, making sure products are fit for purpose and make the work right and sorry, do the right work and do the work right and all that kind of stuff. And as a way of addressing all of these challenges, as making something happen, more and more companies are then looking at, well, what's next? Agility has got us so far, but with diminishing returns, what are we going to do? How do we keep being agile? And the answer is, it's no longer technology. It's no longer your software teams that need to be at, well, sorry, that's not fair. The software teams still need to be agile, but that's not where the investments in change needs to be. So more companies now are looking at HR, They're looking at finance, so everything from recruitment policies to performance management to funding models, marketing and sales. How do you structure work in a sales team? How do you get away from individual bonuses? How do you get away from that lone wolf seller in marketing? How do you create cross-functional marketing teams? How do you get marketing functions that can actually take a campaign to market in days not months? me the same challenges that Agile software teams faced 10, 15 years ago. I think we sometimes forget how good we have it now. So yeah, that's a very long-winded way of answering the question. But the truth is, business agility is companies out there right now trying to thrive, trying to be relevant, and trying to delight their customers in a marketplace that is saturated, that is full, and that is completely unpredictable.
0: Talking about unpredictable, this is late February 2020. We're at the bottom of the world and there's a virus spreading all around. What would having an agile business approach help in addressing some of the challenges that organizations are facing right now? Unpredictability is the new normal. And whether you're talking biological, whether you're talking
1: climate change, whether you're talking just social and social challenges, that unpredictability has to be baked into your corporate strategy. So, if you're an airline and every newspaper at the moment is talking about the impact on airlines because of coronavirus, the impact on tourism and so forth, and how do you as an organization, I don't want to say take advantage because you're not taking advantage of a bad situation, but how do you recognize that you're now entered into a bad situation and you have the resilience? and the capability, the competence inside your organization to adapt and almost come out stronger than your competitors. So there's a couple of key elements. The first is many companies are running too thin. They've spent years reducing costs to points where profit margins are, like they're still big, but they're big because it's at scale, but they're still one or 2%. And airlines are a good example, as is for that matter retail. So groceries, for example. In both these sectors, because margins are so, so thin, it doesn't take much in the marketplace to completely disrupt and, in some cases, cause market failure. I obviously don't advocate for market failure. I don't think that's a good thing. But companies need to have a level of resilience built in, an ability to shift focus, shift people, shift strategy, shift products, shift services in such a way that meets that new normal. Or at least allows them to weather that disruption the other thing that's in play here is culturally when times are bad when things are happening companies tend to go inwards and they look at their own practices and processes they want to be more efficient and what we know from our research is that companies that actually invest in growth in times of hardship actually come out in a much, much stronger position than companies that focus on efficiency in times of hardship. So what we want to see is more companies, especially when like, things are down, how do they use that to become a better organization?
0: Perhaps the question is, how do they? Our audience are gonna be technical influencers, technical team leaders, what do I do? First of all,
1: you influence. Change doesn't happen because the CEO says, hey, let's run a transformation. Change in an organization happens because people say, there's a better way of doing this and I'm gonna give it a crack. I'll use a non-agile example. A lot of companies are really starting to amplify their corporate social responsibility initiatives. Whether it's around climate, whether it's around diversity, whether it's around inclusion, it doesn't really matter. But those transformations, there's no market, well, there is a market reason, but it's not a strong market reason to do it. Companies are doing it in large part because of their employees wanting them to do it. And with enough movement saying, I want to work for a company that acts in this way, that has this culture, this give back, this, well, it doesn't really matter what it is. So influencing a company to be a little bit better than it was yesterday is one of the biggest ways that you can actually make a company start to change. So I use a metaphor of tea. So organizational change isn't top down, it isn't bottom up. That's a false dichotomy, it's neither of them. What it is, is it's like making a cup of tea. You put a tea bag, you put some tea leaves in the tea, and three minutes later, you have a nice cup of tea, five minutes if it's strong. Right? But there's no point it becomes tea. There's a point when it's definitely water. And there's a point when it's definitely tea. But there's no point when it suddenly flips over. So tea leaves. Right? If you're an influencer, if you're in that organization, right, your job is to infuse. Your job is to infuse a culture of collaboration, a culture of customer I was going to say customer centricity, but let's go further. Let's say a culture of customer obsession, a culture of taking risks, a culture of trying. You don't need management approval for any of that. Uh, You just need the willingness to actually try and to make a difference. And there are some organizations where it won't work, but there's an old saying. It's like, change your organization or change your organization.
0: What does good look like in this space?
1: That's a very hard question to answer because companies are so unique. There are the famous examples. Companies like Netflix, Give, they have incredibly trusting policies. Actually, I think that's the key. Companies that look good are companies that have trust and that trust their staff. And that goes everywhere from governance. So many organizations have what we call approval-based governance. Stop until I tell you to continue whereas more agile companies will have what we call audit-based governance continue until we tell you to stop, And we want more companies with that. We're going to trust you, not blindly. We're going to check. We're going to make sure that what we're doing is right, right. But once we get to that point, once we get to the point of telling someone to stop, we've both made more money. We've been more effective. And even if we've discovered in the worst case, fraud, and in the best case, just a mistake. Uh, If it's fraud, we correct, we recover, uh, people go to jail. There is recourse for that. If it's a mistake, then the cost of that mistake is so much smaller than the cost of the bureaucracy to make sure that mistake never happens in the first place. So sometimes we just need to trust people.
0: So goods looks like trust. So what are some examples? You've mentioned Netflix. What are some of the others? Maybe not so high profile, but what are some organizations that are out there that are just doing well at this stuff? So there's quite a few organizations, and one of the things that we do with the Business
1: Agility Institute is we have a library of case studies and references. This is all freely available. What we're trying to do with our library is we want people to be inspired. And some people are inspired by stories, and some people are inspired by data. And so the case studies are the stories, and the research is the data. But with the stories, there are companies doing some amazing things, big companies, DBS Bank in Singapore. Uh, They've been running their transformation for, I would guess, I think it's about seven years now, maybe eight years. And they've been slowly, incrementally, with successes and failures all the way down, making changes and just touching every piece of the business from HR, obviously, to technology, to operations, to marketing. There's been some amazing stuff. Uh, Companies like AirAsia. I've been running a fairly decent transformation. In fact, they've split into, they've got a digital airline and really trying to shift their business models. You've got companies that people have never heard of, like DTCC, Depository Trust Clearing Center. Don't quote me on the exact title, but they handle all stock trades. So like quadrillions of dollars go through their systems every year. Now, they can't go down if they're down for a second, the stock market loses millions of dollars. So for them, an agile transformation means something very different to another organization. Roche is doing transformations in biotech, in medical devices, Mars Corporation, M&Ms, using real, true design thinking in the creation of their stores. Not a digital product, but literally a brick and mortar shopfront. So there are hundreds of case studies of companies, big and small, companies that are trying a little small thing. Maybe they're just changing how budgeting works, or they're changing how they recruit. They're just doing small things. To companies that are fundamentally shifting the very DNA of their organization and changing everything. And neither way is good, neither way is bad, it's just the way the companies work. But if all the listeners want to know more, check out the library, but beyond that, just know that if anyone ever says, oh, that won't work here because, dot, 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 that's a completely fallacious statement. Because in every industry, in every sector, in every business function, I can show you how it works. I can show you the kind of changes that are happening in companies from India to America to Turkey to the Philippines to Australia to here in New Zealand uh, in every industry that you can imagine from mining and banking and manufacturing, healthcare, it's all changing and it just requires a little bit of creativity.
0: One of the things that we did a news item on a while ago was the employee engagement white paper that you launched. Tell us a little bit about that. The headline was, you know, agile organizations have better employee engagement. As an organization, we have nine research teams around the world. They're
1: exploring different topics on inclusion, on transformation at different company sizes. We have one piece of research on unions, which is surprisingly prescient, given that Kickstarter just unionized, which is quite interesting. But the employee engagement research started with the hypothesis. Do agile organizations have greater employee engagement scores than non-agile organizations? It was a very hard question to answer because, first of all, Define employee engagement. It's very hard to. We found at least 11 different definitions. There is also very little in the way of global public data on engagement scores. So engagement scores tend to be held very internal to an organization, and if they release anything, they release a number, like an NPS score. But that number, especially in a large organization, it always trends to the middle. It always trends to the average. You've got good, you've got bad. So it doesn't give you much. So we had to go deep into a number of different data sources. We had to explore both what engagement meant and what companies are doing to increase engagement and sort of how that related to agility and business agility. But in the end, after I think about seven, maybe eight months of research, one of the conclusions that we came to, and there are multiple conclusions in the paper, there's a few caveats to this sentence. So I'll give you the sentence, then I'll give you the caveat. So mature agile organizations have a 20 to 25% higher engagement scores than the general business population. I think it was 24%, but statistical error bars say 20 to 25 kind of thing. Now, the caveats. So first of all, what's a mature agile organization? Right? That in itself is an incredibly Complicated question to answer. So, what we have developed as part of other research is a set of characteristics of what an agile organization looks like. Things like growth mindset, strategic agility. For your listeners, if you're interested, you can actually find all this. It's called the domains of business agility. And what we've done is we've created a set of measures against each of the domains that we use to articulate what does good look like? It doesn't tell you how to do it, it doesn't tell you what practices to do. So we're not saying a company is good if they're using Scrum, but rather specific characteristics. And if those characteristics are true, no matter how you achieve those characteristics, then you have a level of maturity. So that's how we do that. The second caveat to that statement was around how do you get employee engagement scores. So, we have another research project, which is the Business Agility Report, which looks at how effective our companies with their transformations. We then looked at Glassdoor data. So, Glassdoor is not a measure of engagement, but it does correlate to engagement, and that's the key point here. So, we know that of those companies that we interviewed that scored high in Agile maturity, they had, on average, 25% higher Glassdoor ratings, than the general average Glassdoor rating. I can't remember the averages off the top of my
0: head, but it's all in the report. Where's it going next? What's the future for business agility? There's buzzwords out there. There's anti-fragile, there's teal. What do these things mean to us and where are we actually headed? My crystal ball
1: is fuzzy at the best of times, but a couple of thoughts. So first of all, I don't think it's gonna go where we think it is. Everyone's trying to create a framework. Everyone's trying to create a system, and they'd like it to be the one. But go back to the 80s, and what was that business model called? It didn't have a name. It was just how they worked. I think that's the point. I think all these things with names aren't the future. Agile, Scrum, Teal. These are characteristics. And when the dust settles, companies that are effective will work in a particular way, but it won't have a name. In the same way that in the 80s, that was just how you worked. I think there will just be, this is how we work. It doesn't have a name, it's just good business. So, I think it will have characteristics of everything that you described. There'll be more network, it'll be more collaborative, cross-functional teams. There'll be more empowerment, engagement with employees. There'll be a lot more customer-centric, customer-obsessed, and All of these characteristics from all of these places will form this is how it works, this is how it should work. I'm not sure if that's quite the answer you're looking for, but to be honest, it's probably the best answer I can give.
0: Evan, thanks for taking the time to talk to us. It's been really good to catch up. If our audience want to continue the conversation, where do they find you, where do they find the Institute? I'm on LinkedIn. It's probably the easiest way. A small request, if you're going to send a
1: connection request on LinkedIn, please do so, but tell me you heard me on this podcast. I do get a lot of connection requests and I like to connect with real people. So prove you're a real person by telling me you heard me on the podcast. The institute is businessagility.institute. I was as surprised as everyone else to discover that .institute is a top-level domain these days. So yeah, businessagility.institute, and in there you will find the library, you'll find all of our research, not just the employee engagement, but the others as well, as well as links and references to pretty much everything I've spoken about today. All the companies that I've mentioned have case studies in there.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, Shane.